episode 19 sports talk for fans by fans this is brian here uh like i said episode 19 uh talking basketball second episode and this time i have another new co-host help me talk basketball uh introducing tages go back we go back way back uh when we used to actually talk and play basketball and stuff like that so it's nice to have him on so tages how you doing i'm good brian how are you doing Doing great, man. And uh, so sometimes I may refer to him as T-Money on here. So obviously the same person. It's only just us two. So uh, he's going to help us kind of talk Western Conference and uh, also talk some like gambling things that he wants to point out. So looking forward to hear that. Uh, before we get into all that stuff, just a reminder that we have the Facebook page, Sports Talk for Fans by Fans, you the page in the group. And on the uh, group side, we have a bunch of polls and items we post out, kind of breaking events as they go on also and get your guys' opinion and helps drive conversation for the show. So uh, let's get right into this. What we're going to do is we're going to break down the Western Conference. Last time I talked with Daniel, we broke down the Eastern Conference. If you guys remember his Boston talk over and over again. Um, so we're going to go straight into the Western Conference, kind of recap the play-in games on the Western side. It's kind of the preview, uh, the matchups, and talk a little bit of betting, if you will, for those matchups. And then at the end, we'll wrap up with a couple other side conversations. So the standings getting into the playoffs, the Jazz finished 15 and 20 with the best record in uh, the NBA, which I believe is actually the first time they've ever had the best record in the NBA. So, um, and you can always think back to the days of Malone, Stockton, and Hornacek against the Bulls. So, uh, obviously, they have the best record. So now they do have the best record. Suns have the second best record. And I'd say it's kind of um, just kind of a mess up situation for the Suns to be in, which we'll obviously get to and talk to here in a second because of their matchup and the situation they're in. Third seeds, Nuggets at 47-25. The Clippers uh, tied them, but strategically tanked the last games, last two games to maybe avoid the Lakers, uh, which we can kind of get into. But they finished 47-25 also. The fifth seed is Mavericks, 42-30. Sixth seed, Blazers, also 42-30. Lakers, seventh seed, same record, but had the loss of tiebreakers. Uh, when, obviously, they played in the playing game against the Warriors, which we'll get into. And the eighth seed, the final seed locked up by the Grizzlies. So maybe a little bit of a surprise, but... Kind of, in my opinion, nice to see uh, up-and-coming talent like John Morant uh, have his chance to kind of uh, put his name up there. So, uh, getting right into this, uh, Tages, did you watch any of the playing games? Uh, I believe we had three on the west side. Did you watch any of those? Yeah, no, I watched uh, both the Golden State games. Um, didn't watch uh, San Antonio, um, Memphis, but uh, the I thought, you know, eh, eh, we could talk about whether the, the Golden State, if you're sad to see them like this, or, or actually, I mean, for the first time, it, it just, I think those play in games made me just realize how much I love those Golden State teams and how much I yeah. love seeing Draymond do like Draymond type things and just Steph <laughs> just being insane. It's like, yeah, you know, uh, we're... yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with you on that. Um, uh, I guess we'll talk about the Lakers and Warriors game first. I guess the way I saw it was the Warriors came on strong at the start and the Lakers were just absolutely terrible with their shooting percentages. Um, and I think it was only the third time all year that they've had this starting lineup of, you know, with Drummond included with LeBron and AD and uh, Schroeder and their mystery fifth person. Um, so, it, you know, not very often that they have that lineup. Um, but to me, they looked really shaky in the first half. And then they obviously looked a lot better in the second half. So what was kind of your thoughts in that game, um, Tay, just about the Lakers-Warriors game? Yeah, no, I kind of think the Lakers are kind of – feeling out, you know, how, how to play, you know, since Drummond obviously got no minutes with, 
LeBron and AD. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that there's, you know, we'll talk about some other ones too, that are kind of like work in progress type teams this year, which is the crazy season. Um, but you know, it's, you, you just got to have such respect for those guys and think that they can find gear when they need it. And, you know, that's kind of what I thought happened with that golden state game is, you know, when it became really kind of, uh, crunch time, you know, look, LeBron, you know, had a really poor f- first half. You saw the rust, you see that the athleticism isn't a hundred percent, but, but when he needed stuff to, to get stuff done, he did. I thought his passing was fantastic the whole game. And uh, not, not, we'll, we'll talk, we'll get into Phoenix Lakers in a second, but, uh, you know, I, 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 poor Chris Paul, he must have uh, <laughs> cursed basketball gods in a past life. Or yeah, something. yeah, he really he just and it's crazy. You know, we'll, we'll get into that later. But yeah, with the, with the Lakers, I, the one thing I do want to say is, you know, I'm not really a pro LeBron person, but I do appreciate the talent he is. Um, I, I put aside, you know, I, I do hate some of the antics, um, but I do appreciate him as a player. And I think all of us have to kind of realize and understand that at 36 years old, it, even if he, if he puts together a run here, this may be the last full run we receive from him. So I think we got to appreciate it no matter what you think about LeBron. Um, anyways, but, but going back no, to like, no, I'm, I'm with you hundred percent. And, and, you know, yeah. I, I probably rooted against him since decision and now <laughs> I'm swinging, you know, I'm, I'm getting old. Yeah. I, I uh, went back to jujitsu. Yeah. I've been doing it for about seven years now oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, restart. I, you know, for my family, I didn't do it during COVID. And mm-hmm. so I just got fully vaxxed and first day back, I threw my back out. <laughs> so that, now I'm kind of swinging around where LeBron is just, you know, I'm yeah. living vicariously through, yep. you know, <laughs> 36 year old, 37 year old that's putting it on every, the league. So yep. dad um, life. So yeah. 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 So uh, with the Lakers Warriors, man, it was, it was, it was a great game compared to the East playing games were just so bad because they're all below us, but the West were for the most part phenomenal that Lakers Warriors, you know, the Lakers, came back LeBron had the blurry vision three-pointer where he saw three different ones and hit the middle one obviously and kind of was the dagger so I think with the Warriors what we saw was just a little bit of uh by the way that, that was like a yeah. touch foul that was not yeah. a hard foul. oh I know yeah <laughs> Draymond's hand straight you know when, when Draymond wants to do something Draymond will do something so the yeah, hand was no, straight was, up it was fully uh, hard in the nuts you know and then LeBron yeah. <laughs> it didn't yeah. have to act that one up. But, uh, yeah, he was full, full on soccer. He was full on soccer there with that foul. Um, but I mean, with that, it was kind of with the Warriors. I think we see that, you know, if Steph can maintain this next year, um, you know, they, they need that. They need Clay uh, fully healthy. So hopefully Clay comes back because you can see, and, and we'll talk about here, you know, we'll go actually get right into it. But the, because I don't think the Grizzlies Spurs, there's much to talk about, you know, the Grizzlies just, got a hot start held off the Spurs and kind of closed out. Um, that was kind of not as exciting, but the Grizz Warriors, we'll just get right into that one. That was a very exciting game that went to overtime. Uh, Draymond obviously had the chance to put it away, which was kind of crazy because the Grizzlies kind of had the, a little bit of a lead for most of the game and the Warriors were able to close it out right at the very end. But I think there was a couple of things that were kind of, uh, you know, things you notice about the Warriors, contagious. I mean, things that I noticed, and you can let me know what you think here in a second, but Wiggins being that second scorer, he uh, he really didn't come through in the clutch in the fourth quarter. He missed a couple open threes. He missed a couple open drives. Uh, you know, if that was Clay Thompson, y- you would have to believe that he would hit at least one of those threes. You know, that that's yeah. kind of what we're used to seeing with him. So I think that was the big thing. Um, and the other the huge liabilities, you know, you have that draft pick, um, James Wiseman. Um, but they had in, in his place, they had Looney there who uh, in the game, I think he had the biggest minus uh point differential in the game and every time he has the ball it terrifies me because 
he's like a bad version of Draymond where he can't handle the ball and he loses everything. So it's, it's tough seeing him on the court, but uh, you know, for me, the Warriors, hopefully next year, Curry comes back, they get Thompson. You know, what, so what'd you think about that game with the Grizzlies and Warriors? Yeah, no, I feel like Looney is the heat is the golden state equivalent to Udonis Haslam. Where they're, <laughs> they're just going to keep paying that guy for 20 yep. years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, Wiggins, I thought Wiggins actually had a great game against the Lakers and uh, it, was, it was good to see him fight. And it was good to see him actually have some assertive, but you're 100% right. He can't be your second option. And it's very different if Clay's your second option. I, I do think he might have a future on the Warriors, you know, as a you know third, fourth offensive option and then doing good defensive things and had a great year. And that, that Minnesota trade, you know, absolutely looks like a steal now. I think they're up to Golden State's odds are about 70% that they'll get the pick this year. And it'll be a high one. Um, you know, it'll be either fourth, I think four through six or, you know, so 70% chance that they, they land that. And so, you know, that's an absolute steal. It's, it's crazy that Minnesota didn't tank at the end of the season. So I, I think the outlook is bright for, for the Warriors. And I also think, you know, if, 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 you know, the Wiggins contract has become movable too, where if there's another superstar that wants to join, you know, that the, the big three, um, of, of clay. Steph and Draymond, you know, that they can make that work with a Wiggins deal and picks or something like that. So, yeah, I think, I think the, when I think Wiggins, I think the perfect role is, and if you, you remember the first intro of the Warriors being relevant was Harrison Barnes. Like if, if Wiggins can assert himself as the Harrison Barnes of like kind of being a good defender, the third option, if you will, I, I think that could end up playing out pretty well for them. Um, Cause they'll have outside of Iguodala, they'll have a lot more depth on that bench. Um, but, you know, yeah, definitely looking forward to the Warriors next year. Um, so let's get right into the first matchup because uh, all these games, what that happened was the Lakers got the seven seed. The Grizzlies got the eight seed, which is a little bit surprising. But, you know, um, it, it's uh, it's very interesting with this playoff. Just because the Lakers are seven seed, This the whole playoff is now in chaos because now you have these quote-unquote upsets that aren't really upsets. Um, but, you know, I guess they'll call them an upset because they're the seven seed, but it's the most terrifying seven seed you'll ever see in any sport. I would have to say. So we'll get right into the Grizzlies and Jazz. The uh, Jazz are the one seed to play the first game Sunday night. Um, that during that matchup, the Jazz swept the seed in series three nothing. They, uh, all teams play each other about three times, uh, but the Grizzlies were kind of impressive uh, to me. Being able to see them kind of uh, hold off, you know, even though it was a, a Steph only kind of offense, and they, you know, they were very smart with doubling down on Steph and double teaming him. The Grizzlies showed a lot of, you know, potential, I'd say. You know, I'm not sure if we could see them beat the Jazz, but I think if they can give them a good series. Uh, of the three games the Jazz won, two of the games were actually close, I think, within about five points. Um, so what what are your kind of initial thoughts on that Jazz-Grizzlies series before I get into my other stuff, Tejas? Yeah, no, that's cool. So the, the line for this is actually, this is one of the most lopsided lines out there in that Jazz, or to bet them, you're, you're taking your minus 1,300. So basically, you're you're barely getting any odds whatsoever. If you bet the Grizzlies, you get plus one seven ten. So you're getting seven to one if you bet the the Grizzlies. And um, like, there's a series spread that basically you can bet plus two point five games, meaning that you know if it's four to two, you win that bet. And and if Jazz win four to two, you you win that bet. And with Grizzlies, you get positive odds on that. So um, I'm kind of uh, closer to your side in that you know I think that this could be pretty competitive. Um, yeah. I don't know if what's the latest on Donovan Mitchell. I assume he's probably trying to go game one, but like I, you know, just it's so hard with these guys that haven't played in a while. Like I have no idea 
are we going to be seeing 100% Donovan Mitchell or, you know, kind of like LeBron feeling himself, you know, back into the, you know, game time. Yeah. And, and of course I have the luxury of actually living out here. So I, I have heard some of the local radio talk about how they, uh, they're kind of concerned about he he's supposed to be a go, but I guess they're concerned on, will he trust? Cause I think it was a, uh, it was a high ankle or something like that along those lines. But um, I, I guess they're not really sure if he's going to have trust in that. And I guess the good thing is they show that they could win without him. Now, granted they're, you know, regular season games, not really, you know, high competitive games as much. So I, I it sounds like he is a go. It's just a matter of what's that chemistry going to be. And I think that's kind of the word we hear a lot in the playoffs this year. You know, the whole Nets, oh, they've only played nine games together. The Lakers teams don't only play three games together. You know, the, the Jazz just got Conley back, I think, about a week ago. They haven't had him for uh, probably three weeks. And now they're going to get uh, Donovan Mitchell back. So, you know, it's one of those things where is chemistry going to be an issue? Uh, in my opinion, probably not because they've played together for a couple of years now. But uh, they should have him back. But with what you said, though, man, I, I would be really tempted to take that the the two games I, I think the Grizzlies could could still two games I mean you agree with that yeah no I, I'm with you let me ask you this who if if say Donovan Mitchell's at ninety percent who's the best player in the series yeah um, I, I would think you know it's kind of weird because it's kind of a depending how you look at it like after watching John Morant play this year it um and, you know I, and kind of thing I want to get in with him is. To me, he like he is such a freakish athlete. Like he's kind of like Russell Westbrook, but without the selfish behavior. Which I is I don't want to take a shot at Russ, but you know you see when they play together, like that team's actually balanced. They actually have, and I think I wrote it down here. They have uh, seven people that average over ten points per game, and no one averages over twenty. Um, with Morant averaging nineteen points per game, so I, I think actually even with Donovan Mitchell back, that John Morant could be the most dominant player in this series. Um, you know, Rudy Gobert is a whole different force because. Uh, his defensive abilities, but yeah, I guess that'd be my thing. I think John Morant is slightly the the best player in the series. Yeah, no, that's where I was kind of leading you, and maybe, maybe Gobert. I mean, I honestly think maybe Gobert under the basket changes the the geometry for for Moran a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, it'll be interesting to see if like Valens soonest. Like you know, I think Gobert is such a great team defender, but not necessarily a great one on one defender. So if Valens can kind of get off a little bit. Maybe that frees up Morant and gets him some some space or things, but you know I, I I could see Gobert really kind of being a huge force in the series. But but the reason I asked that question is I do think it's hands down John Morant is the best player if Donovan Mitchell's not 100. percent And so yep. then I think that becomes a very uh, close series. Yeah, one thing I just wanted to talk about is the bench on these two teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I think that it's probably the two best benches in the world which it's kind of interesting you know in the playoffs p- benches don't mean nearly as much you have rotations go down to seven guys or something um, you know but uh, if both these teams that you know that bench war will be I think a big factor in how this series goes and I, I just got an absolute kick out of um, just Memphis you know they in the in the playing game against Golden State they didn't they didn't even play uh, Justice Winslow they didn't play <laughs> yeah. Brandon Clark uh, yep. They played five guys off their bench: Xavier Tillman, Jones, uh, Grayson Allen, Bain, and Melton. So, so they are legitimately twelve deep of like really yeah. good guys that yep. I I trust. I mean, that's just you know insane. <laughs> and I kind of wonder if that's going to backfire because if you don't have that, like you know your eight players, so, you know, is that going to affect affect the rhythm having to rotate so many players in? So it is kind of. I mean, I guess of all the series, this is the best series to see that kind of deep rotational matchup because the Jazz. Even the you know the six player of the year award, the Jazz have two people that that are up for it with Joe Ingles and and Jordan Clarkson. So it's kind of crazy 
Um, you know, I mean, George Clarkson's the second best scorer on the uh, the Jazz, and he was the best scorer when Donovan Mitchell was out. So, uh, yeah, definitely this this can be a very interesting matchup because it's kind of like no one can key on in anyone except for maybe you can key on John Moran. But like I said, that you have I think six other people on the Grizzlies that are double digit scores. Kyle Anderson kind of took another level this year. Um, you know, Brooks took another level this year. So it, it's definitely I, I don't think it really feels like a one eight series to me. So um, it almost feels more like a three six. I think. I, I will say I swing wildly on my take on Dylan Brooks. Like sometimes yeah. I, I watch him and I think he's a pretty ballsy player. I like his aggression. I like he's that he's kind of like a, you know, irrational confidence guy. And then other times I, I'm like, you know, he, he's just killing the team. He's taking way too many shots and he's not efficient yeah. and he's not a good passer. Uh, where are you on the Dylan Brooks experience? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think I, I want to see John Morant maybe kind of take more command of this team. Uh, Cause there are like, there's times where I watch them play and he's like 10 series in a row where he doesn't have the ball. And it's like Kyle Anderson and, and Brooks. And it, it almost confuses me at times, but um, yeah, you know, I, I do like him. And I think his, if he can fit his role as like the third scorer on the team, or maybe the fourth scorer on the team, he, he'd be a phenomenal fit on that team. So I think this team being so young, like next year's probably their year to really kind of start shining. If John Moran can kind of put himself on the map, this playoffs, so just kind of like Jason Tatum's, I think really, showing himself in the East this year. Uh, I think John, this is John Morant's really time. He's really has to show himself in the West. So that, yeah, that's, that's kind of my, I guess, take on Brooks, which is kind of avoiding the question a little bit, but, but yeah. Okay. Um, just to focus a little bit more on Utah, neglecting the number one seed, I feel like a little bit, yeah. just, you know, I, I, uh, it, it is just, they have, like have so many good playmakers that I think is, you know, the, the key, just like, you know, obviously Mitchell can, can do his thing and is their, their main guy, but then when they can, you know, Conley can create, uh, Ingles can create, Bogdanovich can create. So, you know, it's just, it's just, I feel like they could throw so much at you and work a lot of different things. And then they just have good shooting all over the court. Um, you know, so I, I do think maybe I'm underrating them a, a little bit, but um, we'll see, you know, it's, again, it's just, it's like four good options, but are any of those great options? I think that will be the case, you know, when it's, when you're, when you're compared to a, a going against a draw Moran or you're going against a Luca, you know, how good is it to be running offense through Ingles or Conley or et cetera? Yeah. If you don't, have, if you don't have Donovan and Mitchell healthy, that that's what I think kind of scares me with the jazz. Like who is the go-to, like how do they determine that? But with some of the stats talking about like with what, what you're saying, how we're kind of, you know, not talking about the one seed just to kind of throw some, uh, throw some, I guess, you know, good things that they've done out there. Um, you know, they, they've actually some, you know, attempted the most three pointers this year and have the three best point percentage, uh, third best three point percentage. And then on the other side of it, uh, teams actually attempt the third least amount of three pointers against them, which is kind of weird because, you, you know, they're so dominant that you think teams are going to jack up threes to try to make a comeback. But I think that's where the Rudy Gobert effect is where they, he's such a dominant rim defender that they allow all their defenders on the perimeter to just kind of man up and allow them to get beat for uh, twos, which allows them to put him in a situation where they have to go against Gobert. So I think that's kind of like the the strength of the of the Jazz. So once it comes down to a team like the Lakers playing them later on, you know, that's where it's going to be really interesting. Like how what's going to happen if if it's Gobert having to challenge against uh, Davis and LeBron James and uh, and all their, you know, rim atta- attackers that they have. So, yeah, I think the, the Jazz, you know, the strength of their team is three-point and three-point prevention. And then that's a lot of having Rudy Gobert. So you obviously need Rudy, Rudy Gobert to have no foul trouble to succeed. So that's one of those things. If you attack Rudy Gobert gets foul trouble, I think the Jazz have a huge problem on defense. Um, yeah. So no, almost, I, yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think is it, um, is their backup favors 
this year, yeah. you know, and, and uh, yep. I, I do think like um, just in, in general, you, you know, he, he completely anchors everything. And even with him, you know, if we're talking Lakers, I mean, but that you could say that this for everybody. It's just Lakers are just so damn big and, and yep. overwhelming. So, but uh, yep. anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Derek Favors is the backup. And uh, yeah, he didn't even start a single game this year. So Derek Favors was strictly in the backup role playing 15 minutes a game. Uh, but yeah. All right. So, you know, I think uh, obviously for me, it's, it's the Jazz win the series uh, closing this this out. Jazz win series. I could see the Grizzlies winning two games. Uh, what are your thoughts before we move on to the next series? Yeah, no, I, I, I think probably I would I would, you know, guess maybe Jazz in six. Okay. But uh, have fun, man. I get to see the John Moran experience in the first person. Oh, yeah. Yep. And what he's talking about is I'm going to go actually see the, I have the game the game one tomorrow. So I'll be seeing uh, what what happens out there. So I'll give you guys the live input on the next episode and what, what happened. Um, all right. Let's move on to the uh, probably the most interesting uh, or lightning rod series of all series in the playoffs. I, and he, I, I even think on the east side that the Milwaukee-Miami is such an amazing thing to watch after what happened last year. But we'll get into that some other time. But outside of that, like this has got to be the biggest series because you have the Suns with the best record they've had in, I think, 10, 15 years. Second best record in basketball. Uh, and here you go. You are now rewarded with playing the Los Angeles Lakers, the team who just won last year, has everyone back, plus more from last year, I guess, besides Rondo. Um, so the matchup... Between them, the two seed and seven seed being the Lakers, they played three times during the year. Uh, the Suns won two of them. The Lakers won. In the first game, uh, there was no Anthony Davis. LeBron was unstoppable. Uh, and, you know, but I think the, but even still, the uh, the Suns won. They The Suns won that game still. And it was pretty much LeBron by himself doing everything. I think he put up 40 points that game on like 60% shooting, something ridiculous. But, you know, the Suns still beat them. Game two. Uh, the Suns won by about 20, but there was no AD, no LeBron, no Drummond in that game. Uh, so, you know, is that really a good representation of the matchup? And then game three, there was no LeBron, but the Lakers won by 13 against the Suns. So I think the season series doesn't really tell us anything helpful. Um, but going into it, we have the Lakers allegedly healthy. Uh, and I guess the big talking point is in the news that just came out, uh, LeBron, quote unquote, violated some protocol for COVID. Uh, however, he's going to be allowed to play. So did you see that? And what's your thoughts on that one? Because to me, it's kind of, it seems kind of like favoritism, but I don't really see all the details, but I, it, to me, it leans just because I'm like, you know, I'm like, I, I just want to be like the NBA screwed up. Yeah. I mean, because to me, every other sport like hockey and everything and football, there's been such strict COVID, COVID protocols to a point where uh, NFL teams, like my Niners had to play like all practice squad wide receivers um, it, it seems like a lot of people didn't get off the hook, but LeBron single-handedly kind of got off the hook. So what was your thoughts on that one, Tejas? Yeah, no, I think maybe the special treatment for, for LeBron, but in general, I'm someone that just hates, uh, you know, rules guys. Like, I, I really just like the guys that are just like, when, when you pull out the you know, angle of Yarmir Yager's stick or something <laughs> like you've been waiting oh, yeah. all season. They did it today with Giannis. They Giannis apparently has been taking like 12 seconds to shoot a free throw. And it's like 10 seconds is the rule. It's like, who knew that? I've been yeah. watching the NBA for 30 years. I had no idea that was a rule. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, but no, I mean like, yeah, no, he, he got a crucial free throw wave today because of the, the 10 second rule. So I, you know, I'm glad at the end of the day, I mean, it's like, 
I mean, imagine if like Lakers lost this series by one game and LeBron didn't get to play game one or something like that. You know, like no, no one wants to. I don't. I don't think people want to see series determined that way. Um, yep. You know, again, it's like you think about the 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 Suns Spurs series with the the chunk suspensions of like people running on the court and stuff like that. You know, I I, I don't want technicalities to determining uh, you know the NBA history. Yeah, and so the so the Suns had such a great year. They essentially added Chris Paul, and uh, that propelled them to the second best record within one game of the Jazz. So um, between him and Devin Booker, they got phenomenal backcourt. They have a bunch of wings that could guard LeBron. I think the big question is who's going to guard AD on that team? Do the, the Suns have someone? Do you think that can even have a close chance? Because I think, I mean, their center is not really as athletic as AD is. I mean, to me, that's. Yeah, seems no, like- I guess it's going to be Jake Crowder, probably, Jay Crowder, uh, yeah. you know, rotating between LeBron and uh, AD when, you know, it, and then, uh, you know, that's, that's rough. That's a, that's a big ask. Yeah. Um, or your, your boy, are, um, Lakers are minus 178 to, to bet, uh, you know, so they're pretty heavy, almost two to one favorite. Uh, Kind of the two of the bets I'm looking at are, are Lakers 4-0 is plus 900 or Lakers 4-1 is plus 500. Um, my kind of reasoning behind that is, you know, I just I, – I, I, and I don't mean to, you know, rag on the Suns here, but, but I, the, you know, I think Lakers are better. And I also think Lakers know that they can't BS around and get into a – first round playoff six game seven game type type series just with the way their bodies are right now so i think they go hard to kind of end it quickly is is at least my wild where i would put my money on uh, the series yeah and i think for the for the west it's kind of like whoever plays the lakers in the conference championship game has the best chance because you're kind of just banking on injuries and everything to take a toll on the lakers i think that's kind of the only real weapon against the lakers because to me, they're a matchup number. They can go large. They can go big. They can go small. Uh, they, they have eight starters on that team, essentially. Um, so I, I feel bad for the Suns. I'll be rooting for them, um, hoping that they can make it competitive. But it's just hard to see that being a uh, get, you know seven-game series. I think you're right that the Lakers are just going to – LeBron's going to have some kind of pep talk and do his chalk toss, and it's just going to be uh, – well, we'll see what happens right from there. But it could be bad for the Suns, so hopefully not. Yeah, I, um, I think neither of us have faith in Aiton. And then yeah. there's probably going to be when he goes out, you get Sarich minutes. And, oh, which is scary. You know, it's, it's, it's no one, a no lot one of should Aiden, see that. A lot of Sarich. And, you know, it's just not, a, not, not, not good for, for, yeah. for Phoenix. You know, hopefully, you know, you know, they can maybe shoot the lights out with Booker. Um, you know, obviously, this is one of Paul's probably last runs. And you'll see, you know, he's, he's an absolute gamer. And what he's been doing has just been fantastic as far as, Everywhere he goes is a winner. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, in terms of um, like just players that have been around a long time, and, and I already talked about how I'm, I'm pro old guy, I, I got to <laughs> say I would, uh, you know, be very happy for Chris Paul if they did good things in this playoffs. Yeah, I think a lot of people are rooting for him, just kind of how he's bounced around. He Like, I don't think he really deserves to be bounced around the way he has. Um, but, yeah, it's – it's just going to be, it's going to be tough for them. Um, so for me, I, I probably have the Lakers in, in five is what I would say. What, what about you? I, I think Lakers in five. And that's, that's what I was saying too. That's, that's plus 500 if you want to bet that. So, um, you know, I actually think there's some, maybe some good odds in that. 
yeah, I actually may go, I may go make some bets after we do all this to kind of feel better about these things, talking these things out. All right, let's, uh, we're going to move on now next to the uh, three and six, which is the Nuggets and the Blazers. All right, so they played each other uh, three times, just like all the other teams, like I mentioned. Uh, in the first two matchups, Denver beat Portland, uh, I think by five in the first matchup, by one in the second matchup. And in the third matchup, what happened uh, a couple of days ago, <laughs> actually less than a week ago, Portland won by 16. But in that one, it was kind of, uh, um, Denver was, pretty much benched all their players. Portland had to win the game. Denver didn't. They were kind of solidified. So Denver didn't really play the players. So I don't think that was a really good representation also um, of the series. So with this one, it's to me, it's very close. I think if the Denver Nuggets had Jamal Murray still, I, I think I'd probably be pushing them to be one of the top teams to compete for the, the title. Um, but without Jamal Murray, to me, this seems like a complete toss-up 50-50 series. Tejas, do you agree or do you think a little differently? Yeah, no, I kind of agree with I, I, Vegas uh, agrees with you, and and I agree with you too. As far as if they had Jamal Murray, they were I was penciling them in as my pick, and I was going to put a lot of money on him. Um, Vegas has it now that uh, Portland is at minus one thirty two, Denver's plus one hundred eight, so pretty even odds with a slight favoring of Portland. Uh, basically, Portland's favored to win this series. They have it at 1.5 games with, with Portland being the, the favorite on that. But um, it, it's bet down to the point where it's now to, to bet Denver getting a game and a half, you're, you're paying to your uh, mi minus 200. So it's not, you know, pretty, pretty even odds is kind of what it's stacked out to be. And I do see this kind of probably being a long series. I would be pretty shocked. I actually kind of like some of the prop bets on picking one of the teams in a game seven. Uh, basically you can get plus 440 if you say Denver Nuggets four to three, or you can get plus 410 if you say Portland uh, four to three. So I, I kind of like that deep series type bet. Yeah, I think I think this definitely goes seven. I like that. Um, who, who do you think has the best player on the court in this series with uh, you know Ooh. Lillard and Jokic? <laughs> it's a close one, man. Uh, to uh, I think Lillard's probably in most people's top five MVP ballots, but you know if you have the unanimous MVP in uh, Jokic, you got I think I gotta go with the Joker and. Uh, you know, I, I just think he's he's been so fantastic this year. So both durable, you know, just night in, night out, bringing it. Uh, his passing is an absolute pleasure to watch. And then I think his his offensive self creation game's gotten better with you know him get finding ways to get his own shot off. And you know, I I think he's just been better all around. Uh, who who are you picking out of those two? Who, uh, for for the series is that we're talking about the best player or in the best player oh yeah just i think joker also i think i, I love damian lillard and i love what everything he stands for is like the i'm gonna i'm gonna ride and die with my city um but you know i, I love i love both these teams i really wish they weren't playing against each other in the first round because i i would rather root for them separately against any other team in the west probably uh, but yeah, jo I think Joker has just or Joker has taken to another level this year. He's just uh, and even with Murray went on the court, he was. I mean, he you know he's up for the MVP. He's averaging almost a triple double, kind of like Westbrook. Um, so you know, I, I think it's I think it's got to be him. Um, uh, the one thing I do want to say though is Portland. 
uh, has been very durable and tested as of late. I think in their last 10 games are eight and two. They have one of the best road records in the NBA, uh, which is actually surprising to me being, uh, I think being the sixth seed, having the one best road record. So, you know, that gives them a good chance to win the road, but you know, they, their wins uh, in this last 10 games over the Pacers, Grizzlies, Nets, Celtics, and Jazz. Uh, and those were all, I think on the road too. So they beat five playoff teams in the, within the last uh, 10, 11 games. Now they lost to those Suns and Hawks on the road by one and nine points. So I, I you know, if there is a thing as momentum in the NBA, I think the, the, you know, Trailblazers got a pretty good momentum going in, playing a lot of good teams and faring pretty well. So I wouldn't be surprised if Portland steals the series. Um, you know, obviously if it's Jamal Murray, I think a little bit differently. But I, I, I think I have Portland winning in seven. Is if I had to pick something, what about you? Yeah, I might go Denver in seven. Um, okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, that makes sense. They had no kind of room to lose. You know, I, I don't think they wanted any part of that play-in again, having done it in the bubble. So, uh, you know, they were going hard every night and, you know, really kind of ended the season well there. Um, some random things, you know, we talked about that fantastic Memphis, Utah bench. I feel like this is the <laughs> absolute opposite, man. Uh, Dozier, Howard, Jamichael Green, Monte Morris, Austin Rivers, <laughs> and then Mello, Cantor, Jones. You know, it's just uh, <laughs> who, who, who's your sixth man of the series? Yeah, I, I guess it's got to be. Is it is Mello? If I guess Mello's not starting, I guess it's him. Is is he not yeah. starting? Um, because McCollum ever since McCollum came back. Yeah, Scott, yeah I guess I, I, I think think it's, it, him. it's uh, Covington and uh, oh, yeah, yep, you're right. Nurkic, Mello's and, three. Uh, yep, the the guy from toronto i'm losing my mind now but uh yeah so they, they bring him off the bench and he's a cool 15 17 off the bench but and, and same with Cantor. Cantor comes in and off gets offensive rebounds and scores points but then you know it's just uh, there's no no defense whatsoever with those guys nope. and then maybe they bring in you know jones you know from from miami who last year and and, and it's the, the opposite with him where he can't can't score at all so he, but he defends okay so they're a pretty cursed bench on on a denver side i kind of like monte morris i think he's a he's a good player um pretty interesting as far as actually what the minutes are going to be with him and Compazzo. um yeah but uh you know I, I don't know austin rivers is another one of those where we can have a dylan brooks type conversation about what, what's your yeah. what, where are you on the austin rivers experience oh my god i think i think he's great for one game a series uh he, he has his moments where he's gonna hit every shot and then there's me moments where you just probably don't want him on the court so he's i think he's the worst version of, of brooks um yeah, yeah they're, they're all he, confidence team yeah yeah we can talk about it. <laughs> austin rivers and dylan brooks i think are, are maybe our starting guards oh my god yeah um but you know the Aaron Gordon trade uh i think really helped a lot michael porter's improvement has helped a lot so you know, it, it's weird because they maybe have the worst back with Murray being hurt. They maybe have the worst backcourt in all of the playoffs, maybe even all of the NBA, because it's just so bad now compared to having Murray. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting how that series goes. Um, but yeah, I, I can, every game is probably gonna be like one thirty to one twenty eight. It's going to be very entertaining. Be like a play, like kind of an all star format, uh, if you will. But 
Yeah. Now we'll see. I I, I like Composo. <laughs> it's part yeah. of me just, you know, he, he's just uh, very competitive. I think he's a good passer. But, uh, he's a scrappy white know, guy. That's why. Yeah, yeah, but he hasn't been JJ Barea, well. <laughs> and they're gonna need him to, to, I think, make some threes, or else you know they, uh, they, they might go with more Monte Morris minutes, or you know, actually, the, this guy Howard had played point guard for in the last two games and put over up over twenty. So I don't know if he he might be able to give them something in in terms of hitting open threes if uh, my my guy Composo isn't getting it done. Yeah. Oh my God, that's. Yeah, I mean, it looks like the guys that jack up all threes in their team. Porter's shooting about six a game. Austin Ravens is shooting up to five a game. <laughs> that, 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 that's, 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 that is not right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So yeah, I'm going down this list here. Composito shoots about – he averages three a game. He's 35% three-point shooter. So, you know, I didn't realize Porter's shooting, Porter shooting at a 44.5% clip uh, shooting six a game. So that's pretty – it's pretty good as one of the young guys coming up. So Porter's a stud, uh, and maybe that's the kind of you know maybe the uh, silver lining playbook with uh, the Murray injury is just you yeah. know let, let's let's see what Porter can do. Exactly. So you know if if Murray comes back healthy next year, that's a dangerous roster because I'm pretty sure they don't really lose anyone next year. So um, yeah, all right. So we gave our predictions on that one. Uh, do you have any other uh, bets you, you want to throw out for that one, or before we move on? No, nothing else. I just long series and I'm I'm picking someone in seven. Yep. Sounds good. Uh let's move on to the last one. The four seed, the Clippers against the five seed Mavericks. Dallas won two of the three matchups this year. And I, and I think this is one of those series that also goes seven. Um, but it's very uh, uh, maybe it's just my opinion, but it's very defined by what's going to happen. It's essentially gonna be all Luca or bust, um, with a little bit of Porzingis if he doesn't get hurt, which is Probably impossible to ever expect a Porzingis to never to not be hurt for an extended period of time. Um, against the the clones of Kawhi and Paul George, uh, they're the exact same player almost, the exact same you know build play style. Um, they both average twenty three to twenty four and in, in six. So, um, yeah. So um, with uh, with, with that. You know what's what's your thoughts um, uh, on that series between the Clippers and Mavericks? To me, it's going to be very, be very close uh, and, and entertaining. But I feel like it's just strictly PG and Kawhi against Luca, and it's going to determine what happens. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean it was a fantastic series from the bubble, and so it's fun to see it run back. Uh, Clippers are minus four thirty. Uh, Dallas is plus three twenty. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a very good series. I agree with you that, uh, you know, it's it's going to go uh, probably pretty deep. I mean, Luca in the bubble was just such a phenomenal thing to watch. I mean, that was literally one of the, the funnest basketball viewing experiences was yes. how he was taking them on, um, you know, yep. by himself in so many ways. Um, so, you know, if, if that repeats at all, some of the prop bets I like is is that, you know, basically on FanDuel, they have some of these kind of uh, bets where you can say, like, Luca over 35 points and Dallas wins, and you get, like, huge odds for it. You, they, they pay you, like, 10 to 1. And so I think I'm going to be hitting all series these, like, Luca prop bets of just him <laughs> putting down all kinds of points and, and then Dallas winning. So Yep. Yeah, and I think it, it's – you know, they, they ride him as they go as far as he goes. I don't think there's any other option. If he doesn't play, there's literally no chance for that team. So, 
I, I think that one's pretty cut and dry. Um, there's, you know, there's obviously a couple of good role players in both teams, but I think it's a hundred percent on Kawhi and PG against Luca with a little bit of Porzingis. So, um, any other thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, otherwise, just I'll... a little bit on like the the role players and stuff. You know, yeah. I really liked all the additions that the Clippers made. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Rondo is a guy that I really trust, and you know, will will do really good for them in terms of just you know when the ball just stopped moving. You know, he's a guy that will just come in there and be happy to pass. And I also think at this point he's confident in like kind of a shooting the three when he's open mm-hmm. um, and, and kind of just will give them some of the leadership. Abaka is another guy that I just completely counted on. He was really good in that Toronto Boston series and really good in their championship run. Um, you know, I have a lot of faith in him. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of measure the Zubox versus Zubac versus the Baca minutes. Um, but, but Abaka is the guy that I think I would probably prefer to close with. And, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, like if the Clippers figure out their best five, you know, as of right now, I think they're probably going to give, you know, a, a good deal of, you know, not, not too many minutes to, to Beverly and, you know, the, they'll play Monte Morris a lot. And, you know, I, I'm someone that kind of thinks that, you know, they probably, you know, need to go away from Monte Morris. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to see, you know, and, and, and probably, you know, like Zubats in terms of, you know, who are the Clippers best, best five. Oh, and I didn't mention Nick, I like the Nick Batum edition too. So like, if I had to pick a best five of the Clippers, I would probably go Leonard, PG, Rondo, Ibaka, Batum. I think that would be my yep. best five. And I don't think they're there yet. You know, they're still playing Reggie Jackson a ton of minutes. They're they're playing mm-hmm. Zubak. They're playing uh, Beverly. But I, wh- who who would be your top five Clippers if you had to, you know, your, your game seven versus the Lakers and you have one minute left? Ooh. Oh, with one minute left playing that matchup, uh, assuming they, they go big lineup or small lineup on me. Oh, I, I didn't mean to make it that complicated, but Ooh, we'll say AD's <laughs> at the five. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, that, that's so tough because I, I guess I, it would have to be either Morris or Ibaka in there. You know, I, I don't even know which one I would take between the two. I guess Ibaka with Batum, George, and Leonard just so for the flexibility of guarding. I mean, if I'm playing defense and I'm putting in uh, uh, Pat Beverly in instead of Jackson or uh, or Williams or Rondo, so – it's defensively, that's what I would do. You know, that's tough. They, they have so much flexibility in their lineups. It's kind of hard to say what they're going to go with, but you're right. They do need to set it. Um, and Batum, I, I, one thing I do want to say about Batum, like I think he's like the most underappreciated player who's now past his prime, which is so sad because he'll never get noticed because he was stuck away in what Charlotte for all those years. Um, so uh, he's actually got the third most minutes played on this team. So, he, you know, he's got a good role as kind of being a, a wing defender. Uh, on this team, but you know, I, I don't, I can't even give you a good answer on that question just because they, they, I get, maybe the good thing is they do have a lot of uh, potential in the matchups. So yeah, we'll I can't. Even give I, you... I think my, 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 my takeaway is, is that I don't think Reggie Jackson, the Jackson should play. And as of now, he's yeah. still getting like 20, 25 minutes for them, but you know, I would go completely, you know, Beverly or Rondo in those minutes, um, yep. you know, and, and I, 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 w- I wouldn't let Reggie Jackson see the court. And you saw how good Rondo was in the playoffs last year with the Lakers. He was very underappreciated. Uh, you know, he, 
he's got a lot of playoff experience. It's kind of hard to not use him. And the reason why I don't like bringing him up is because uh, Skip Bayless loves Rondo. So I just, it's hard for me to kind of agree with Skip Bayless on anything. Um, Cause I just, he <laughs> crazy. Yeah. you know, every, everyone's like, you know, blind squirrel gets a nut once in a while. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. yeah. That's his one, I guess. You know, we'll give him that one. So um, yeah. Um, so I guess if we, if we had like to, if we had to pick, this is not one of those where, it's it's such a toss-up I, I i would want to say clippers and seven on this one um just because i think luca has so much to handle by himself yes he, they do have a couple of good role players you know tim hardaway has kind of ascended this year a little bit more he's uh definitely been a little more relevant um with porzingis being healthy and playing a little bit more uh jalen brunson chipping in some good minutes uh dorian family smith is another good you know role player um i just think the clippers have a little bit better uh addition to their star power so i think that's why for me i'm taking the clippers in seven what what do you think yeah no i I would probably take clippers in six i I kind of agree with you and just that uh, you know the the porzingis donchis fit is always a little kind of strained and that it just doesn't seem like it's the perfect mesh of uh you know, just hypothetically on paper, you'd think those guys would play better off each other than they do. Um, so, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I liked um, Seth Curry for them a lot. And so I, I think yep. they might have got the worst out of that Seth Curry Richardson trade. Yeah, And we'll see. I mean, guys like Hardaway and Cleaver will really have to step up for them. But at the end of the day, I just don't think that they have the firepower or the veteran leadership that the Clippers do. Yeah, and like the team, like the Mavericks, just like watching them, like against the Clippers, they could compete, but against a team with a big, like a like a relevant big, like the Lakers or maybe even the Suns, maybe a little bit, but they have nothing to stop any real bigs. I mean, I love Boban as much as everyone else, uh, but you know he he's great for commercials more so than stopping other people. Um, so let's uh, move on. Um, I think we're gonna hit one more thing. What I'm gonna get to is. The NBA awards were pushed out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of read out each one of the f- categories and finalist stages, and then uh, we'll we'll give our kind of guesses and who we think we're going to win. Uh, so we'll go with the NBA awards uh, with MVP one first. Curry, Embiid, and Jokic were the top three. Curry ended up with a scoring title, averaging 32, 5, and almost 6 assists. Embiid, uh, 28.5 points per game, over a little, little over 10 rebounds and 2.8 assists, and Jokic uh 26.4 points um so not nearly as many points but he had more rebounds than mb 10.8 and but also had 8.3 assists more assists than curry which is kind of weird to see so t- for me he i think the joker is the is the clear-cut winner especially because his team is better suited and Embiid's kind of has a lot more help i think with uh, another superstar kind of with simmons next time what do you who, who would you take out of those three yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, you know, th- to me, the difference between Embiid and and uh, Jokic's games played, um, you know, just the fact that Joker, you know, got almost a full schedule in, whereas Embiid missed a good handful. Um, you know, I I just and, and with the both being impact being very similar for for the games that were played, you know, I, I don't see how you can't give it to Joker. Um, you know, Steph obviously with uh, you know, the barely kind of um you know, doing play in and having a pretty, you know, 500 ish record most of the year. Whereas, you know, Den- Denver had the well above, you know, 600 
percent win percentage whole year you know so i i think joker's pretty clear mvp this year for me i, I don't i, I you know, obviously don't think he'll be unanimous by any means but but you know for me it's pretty no, much a no-brainer this year yep all right cool let's move on to rookie of the year uh lamella ball had almost 16 points per game uh six and six you know he was hurt for a couple weeks he didn't make it back for a couple games and then that playing game then you had Anthony Edwards in Minnesota averaging almost 20. Uh, and I think he kind of started slow. He had a little bit of shoot, huge shooting slumps at the beginning. Uh, almost averaged 20, uh, almost five rebounds, three assists. And Tyler Halliburton out of Sacramento. Um, uh, just poor Sacramento. Hopefully they get together one year. But 13, three, and five is what he ended up averaging. Um, Who would you take out of that before I give my take? For Ricky so here. I think the world is giving it to LaMelo, but I actually would probably take Anthony Edwards. Um, you know, I, 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 I it was really, really impressed with, with him. You know, he's, he's just a physical specimen. Like he legitimately is kind of hardenish. And you look at him and he's just bowling ball in people. And he's just has this amazing fast twitch and is just getting to the, to the rim. And, you know, <laughs> 22 wins or whatever. Minnesota obviously didn't put it on a lot. And his efficiency numbers are, are, you know, a little ugly and kind of have a lot of room to probably increase. But, uh, you know, I really liked what I saw with him. And I think that athleticism translates not just to scoring, but like that the guy can be a force, you know, defensively if he wants to be. Uh, actually has a decent amount of uh, a passing gene that can develop. So I, I think he, he, you know, uh, again, I think the world is, will say Lamella is, in that draft but uh, you know if, if you look at redrafts and things like that but i i'd put my money on edwards yeah i think edwards had a yeah he, he had a really good year and for the sake of you know halliburton and edwards i really hope the kings and the timberwolves are relevant again i, I kind of you know it's been so long since those two teams have been good <laughs> like would really like to see those teams get good again so hopefully edwards does kind of take that next next level leap um yeah man. for me towns was like the number one on the gm survey for like who you would build a franchise with for like three years in a row or something yeah. but minnesota's just he's like a white walker now it's time to dust that guy off and yeah. see what he can do yeah it sucks um for me i, I think i would take lamel ball um not because and you're 100 right i i think it's going to be everyone's going to take him because of all the talk about him um i, I think edwards is a better player the only reason why I am taking Lamella Ball is because I'm actually surprised with how well he did because I'm kind of against the ball hype with the father and you know and the brothers and I don't think they're really as good as especially when they came to the league they weren't as good as advertised. Um, his brother obviously has turned it on. He's been turned into a tremendous three point shooter, which really surprised me and I think a bunch of other people. But I think Lamella Ball just being able to jump into that team. Uh, and just help that team make the playoffs or not even the playoffs, but, you know, being a chance to be in the playing game. I think to me uh, that impressed me a lot because there's not really a lot of talent. They lost Gordon Hayward, who was kind of one of the best players during the year. So I think it's a toss up between the two. I'm picking LaMelo Ball, but I, you know, I completely agree with you on the Edwards pick also. So let's move on to defensive player of the year. Uh, you know, this is kind of a tough, well, I think it's actually clear cut, but I think, you know, it's three great people. It's Rudy Gobert, uh, Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, and Draymond Green, and they all kind of bring something to the table. You know, we just talked about Gobert, how he changes the, the dynamic of the Jazz. I mean, I mean, come on, the Jazz have Joe Ingles, who has no business playing defense probably in the NBA, uh, and Bogdanovich, who, you know, not really a, a great defender, and Gobert just makes everyone look that good because he cleans all the messes up. Ben Simmons can match up against anything essentially. He's kind of kind of a freak defensive athlete. And Draymond, I think Draymond, what he did in the AD, against AD in that that playing game, kind of just 
know, explained why he should be one of the three people in this. So who, for me, I think Gobert is the clear cut winner. What about you, Tejas? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I may have to differ, you know, Wait, don't, don't, t- don't talk about bad about Joe Ingles on this podcast, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what, what I, want. I, I still remember like in, I think it was like 2015 or something. He, he started checking Chris Paul in this uh, Utah uh, Clippers series. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? So I've, exactly. I've loved Joe Ingles and I've loved his defense for a long time, but uh, it's like um, with, Go bear, you know. I I I think it's like the advanced stats really play out. Uh, they scheme their whole defense, like you were saying earlier, around him. So, and he just had a fantastic year, and the Jazz had a fantastic year. So, I, I think you just got to reward him, and he's the defensive player of the year. All right. Next, we're gonna move on to the most improved, uh, Jeremy Grant out of Detroit, which is kind of just unfortunate. He was kind of like the only probably bright spot out of that whole situation there. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., who really turned it on, I think, towards the second half of the season for the Nuggets. And then uh, Julius Randle, I don't think there was anything else that needs to be said about him. He's pretty much played like a top 10, top 15 player in the NBA, uh, 24, 10, and 6. Who do you have as the most improved player for this year? Yeah, I think it's probably probably got to be Julius Randle. I think he's going to maybe end up making at least second team, third team NBA. Uh, you know, this Knicks team that you thought would, you know, be in the tank war you know, turned out to just have a great, great season. And, uh, you know, I think he was just fantastic all around, uh, much better playmaking, uh, really good passing and just every, night in night. out was, was, was a dominant force this year. So I, 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 he's my most improved. Yep. I agree. Uh, moving on to the sixth man. This one was kind of weird to me. It was Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles from the jazz and Derek Rose, uh, really quickly, Derek Rose, 35 points per game, three games started. He averaged 15, three, and four. Uh, going back to Tibbs, his old coach when he was with the Bulls. Um, Clarkson and Ingles. Uh, Clarkson started or started one game, played 68. Uh, the second leading scorer on the Jazz, 18 points per game, four and two and a half. Uh, and then Joe Ingles, which I'm just going to say that no one's allowed to pick Joe Ingles because he started 30 games, so you're not allowed to pick him no matter what I say, Tejas. Uh, it's, you have to pick between Rose and Clarkson. So between Rose and Clarkson, who's sixth man of the year? Oh, I was going to pick Joe Ingles, but uh, yep. 30 games <laughs> started. Stipula- nope. Stipulation. I'll give it to Clarkson. <laughs> Clarkson is amazing, man. I, I He's someone that mm-hmm. I didn't think was that great. Kind of viewed him as a chucker. And, you know, he, he really gives them a huge pop from the bench uh, and has been consistent for them. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine with him as, as six man. I can, I can, I'll sleep tonight. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. I'm, I'm probably going to try to talk my kids into buying Joe Ingles jerseys just to do it at the game tomorrow because I think it's just. Oh, he's fantastic, he's, man. Yeah. I love him. It's just, it's just watching him play. I'm just like, oh man, I, I just, it's weird to People see always him. make fun of how he looks, but the, the Bogdanovich yeah. is equally kind of yep. unathletically white. Like, You're, I right. You're right. <laughs> like that, that, I feel like people, people should buy more in on making fun of the Bogdanovich. Yeah. No, I, I just need them to buy, I, I need them to wear some knee high socks like Keith Van Horn uh, for me to be fully inspired and cheering for them. So um, let's move on to the last one, which is me coach of the year. Uh, it's between Snyder on the Jazz, Thibodeau on the Knicks, and Monty Williams on the Suns, which I think this is a three phenomenal coaches to pick between for this award. So who do you got? Oh, you don't have Stan Van Gundy on there? It's not my choice. It's uh, it's, it's, it's a three that they <laughs> up there. <Okay>. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. That, that'll be interesting if he's still a coach next week. But uh, yep. uh, I, I probably I would go with Thibodeau. Uh, again, this is just the Knicks just were such a 
darling Cinderella. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's just incredible. You know, like, I, 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 you know, one of the reasons why I reached out to you on this podcast is I love over under, you know, the over under team wins and mm-hmm. what are expectations and what are teams doing. And I, I don't think anyone shocked as much as the Knicks did this year. And so I'd, I'd give it to Thibodeau. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a Bulls fan, so Thibodeau. Just seeing him somewhere else, you know, in Minnesota was a, was a debacle, but seeing him in New York and that team putting all the effort in with young players, uh, maybe kind of a better situation than Chicago because in Chicago is just pretty much Derrick Rose and a bunch of others. But here, it seems like they actually have you know a good foundation to build off of, and you know Derrick Rose being that veteran now on the second wave on the bench, that's kind of a cool thing to watch. So, uh, being the as a Bulls fan that my team's eliminated, I can actually appreciate watching the Knicks, watching another big market. Uh, use our players to do better than, than, than we did. So uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, um, it, to me, it's that or the Suns. I mean, adding, adding Chris Paul is the only real addition and being the second best team. And you know, that's, that's a great thing too. So I just feel so bad for him <laughs> situation with the Lakers. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's uh, pretty much everything. Do you have any other bets uh, that you want to throw out uh, or did we hit everything you wanted to hit during the the conversation? Yeah, no, I, I think we we hit most of the stuff. Uh, champion odds: Brooklyn two twenty, uh, Lakers plus four hundred, Clippers Utah plus six hundred. Do you have any thoughts on uh, who you pick as hold the title up banners up at the end of this playoffs? Uh, so I, I'd say like as as we do this weekly, uh, we'll we'll reengage reengage us every weekly uh, or every week and kind of go from there. But I think right now. I know a lot of people like, you know, we just talked about a lot of people said they don't really trust the Nets with their chemistry, you know, and just, I think, I think just with the players they have that, you know, even without the chemistry, they're just so good and they, uh, they can create for others so well. They don't have, you know, Kawhi is a great player, but he's not the same as like a James Harden. Now, James Harden can create uh, his own shot and he can create shot for others, which, you know, that's where Kawhi falls a little short. So I, I think the Nets is kind of who I would go with. And the only reason I'm saying not the Lakers is just, I still question the injuries for LeBron and AD and how durable they're going to be through a whole playoff run when they just came off being gone for like a month both. So it's kind of hard for me to see someone come back for a couple of games and just be 100%, especially when you're 36 years old. So I think right now I'm taking the net stages. And in a week, I could completely change my opinion. So what about you? No, I, th- I think that makes sense. And and same thing with like Nets and Lakers, both kind of banged up but I think the Nets will be able to cruise a little bit more. I mean, as they've almost cruised this whole regular season, you know, Lakers are going to be in a Western Conference fistfight right from the start. Um, no offense to other podcast co-hosts, but I don't think the Boston Nets series is going to be a fistfight. And Boston. I think those guys are going to have more time to get healthy than LeBron and ATR. Yeah, Boston. Um, so, yeah, you know, the great thing before we wrap this up, the great thing about the playoffs, I think there's a lot of teams out there with uh, like one or two key players to watch and follow. So I think, you know, it's a great playoffs. Looking forward to it. And we'll definitely talk again here. I'll talk with you and I'm going to bring Daniel on also. We'll have two different opinions, two different views on everything. And we'll uh, we'll talk this out. So thanks for joining, Tejas. We'll we'll do this again in a week. Uh, any final comments before you sign no, off? No, man, this was awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, you know, growing up in... 2001 in Washington, you know, we, we can't mention a certain first round pick apparently because you are so intelligent <laughs> that by mentioning his name, he, you know, that he will come back with us instantly on Instagram with things that will make us cry. So and you're definitely the smarter of the two on this podcast because I wanted to talk about him and you would want to know part of it. So uh, yeah. hats off to you, sir. 
uh, uh, soon, in good time. It'll be in good time. It'll be timed perfectly. Uh, we'll get to that. So um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, like I said, that was episode 19, Sports Talk for Fans by Fans. The second episode for the NBA will have a, a little kind of more consistent for the NBA coming up here weekly besides the NFL one. So uh, check us out on Facebook and uh, hit subscribe. You know, listen, share with other people. Uh, so we appreciate you listening. Hopefully you guys have a good one. Thanks. Later, buddy.